Hello, and welcome everyone to our live web webinar on delivering healthcare solutions to combat the spread of COVID-19. I would like to introduce you to today's speakers from Cassia Networks. We have Howard Doherty, VP of Enterprise Sales. And from VivaLink, we have Sam Liu, VP of Marketing. So today's agenda, we're gonna give a brief overview on company introductions from Cassia Networks and VivaLink. Howard will talk briefly about the current challenges facing hospitals and medical staff. We will also discuss our featured case study, which gives an overview of how VivaLink's continuous body temperature sensors and Cassia gateways are being used. Howard and Sam will also discuss the integration in more detail, as well as highlight some of these solution benefits. We will then talk about the ongoing deployment of the solution, as well as future integrations between Cassia Networks and VivaLink. At the end of the webinar, we will have a live Q&A where we encourage everyone to type in any questions they may have for Howard and Sam. The live Q&A can be found in the panel of, your, of the Zoom panel. You will see Q&A. So please don't hesitate to ask any questions you may have. So without further ado, let's begin the webinar. Howard will start by giving a brief introduction of Cassia Networks. Thank you, Sarah, and welcome everyone. Uh, Cassia Networks, for those of you who, don't, who aren't not familiar with us, was founded back in 2014. Offices headquartered uh, here in San Jose, California, uh, and as well as office in uh, Beijing. We provide uh, long-range routers for Bluetooth, specifically working in the enterprise with industrial IoT, uh, regular IoT, and of course, as we're speaking here, medical. We have several different patents uh, that uh, with our antenna technology and software algorithms that allow us to achieve this long range. <clears throat> our CEO uh, and founder is Felix Zhao, who is a, a serial entrepreneur and founded several other um, startups. What we're trying to do from a mission perspective at Cassia is to solve the connectivity issues with IoT and specifically today, speaking about Bluetooth IoT devices. Um, and you can see here, there's a number of partners that we have uh, just to, in the healthcare space. Uh, we have many other partners in other areas uh, that we focus on, uh, but you can see some large names as well as some of the smaller um, uh, partners that are really doing some good work in the medical space. Uh, hello, this is Sam Liu from VivaLink. So VivaLink is a maker of medical wearable sensors that's designed to measure different human vitals and biometrics. Uh, we're also founded in 2014 and headquartered in California. Um, worldwide, we have about 80 plus commercial partners in uh, over a dozen countries. And today we have 14 granted patents. Uh, we are also a medical device um, FDA CE ISO certified. Uh, you see on the bottom there some of our more strategic partners uh, listed here along with Cassia. Thank 
So some of the face the challenges that are, are facing the medical staff, the hospitals, and, and the general population is that uh, there, the, the first is the biggest need for tests. Uh, the need for tests is much greater than the supply. Uh, just today, it was, it was shown that uh, in the United States, we've uh, tested just over 4 million people uh, since the in inception. Uh, and and that, that number is just far too low. Uh, we have medical staffs and physicians that are uh, completely overwhelmed in some areas, um, uh, you know, with this, this fast increase of uh, the number of patients. Uh, as, as everyone has seen and heard, and this is worldwide, there's a shortage of supplies, uh, as well as staff uh, to provide for these patients. A massive risk of, of cross-infection uh, is, is prevalent with COVID-19. And, uh, you know, when, when you look at the, the bullet point above that, where there's a shortage of supply, uh, especially the PPEs that, that help protect um, the, the, the medical providers, uh, this is a, a huge issue. Um, and, and really just the traditional methods of oral thermometers, body temperatures, and, and um, everything else also acerbates the, that, uh, the, um, the likelihood of cross-infection. So, um, you know, we're, we're really challenged to find some new ways of treating patients uh, and handling these situations. So, Leonardo's goal is to basically make healthcare much simpler, uh, more affordable, and literally de deployable anywhere in the world, no matter the infrastructure. So here you see that our vision is basically to replace traditional wired expensive monitors you find commonly in hospitals with simple wearable devices that can do the same things. So to date, uh, VivaLink has two primary wearable sensors. Uh, one is the temperature sensor and the other one is a multivital ECG sensor. What's common with these two sensors is that A, they're both reusable and rechargeable. And B, they're also um, sending live signals over IoT infrastructures straight from the sensor itself all the way to the edge and the cloud. Now, each of these sensors have different characteristics, um, but they're also designed to measure uh, human vitals. So the sensors essentially connect through a gateway. Uh, here you see the CASIA gateway, and that's a key component when you're talking about deployments within hospitals or large areas, we need to manage multiple sensors through a single access point. From there, it can go to either the cloud or on-premises servers uh, to be presented on a dashboard, such as the patient monitoring dashboard you see here. Well, thank you, Howard. Thank you, Sam. We are now going to take a look at a featured case study uh, between Cassia Networks and VivaLink on combating the spread of COVID-19 using VivaLink's body temperature monitoring sensors and Cassia's Bluetooth gateways. So VivaLink and Cassia was one of the first to use medical wearable sensors and IoT infrastructure to combat COVID-19. Uh, when this first broke out in China, we started a deployment uh, in Shanghai. So this picture here you're seeing is an example of a quarantine ward. And this is modeled after the SARS outbreak. Uh, so the hospital has some experience already with dealing with infectious diseases. 
as you can see in the diagram, in the, cent in the center of the ward are the nursing stations, and at the perimeter is where all the patients' uh, rooms and beds are located. So the overall solution involves a real-time monitoring system, the CASIA router, uh, VivoLink's temperature sensor, and in the future also will involve the VivoLink multivital ECG patch. So this is a basic data flow uh, of, the, of the installation. So the temperature sensors uh, basically capture the data from the patient's body, and it's transmitted over Bluetooth to the CASIA routers, and that can go into uh, basically on-premises server or the cloud, and then ultimately to the clinician's portal. Here you see the actual temperature sensor uh, that's being used. Uh, the patch is relatively small and very light. Uh, it's pretty comfortable. Once you wear it, after a few hours, you probably forget that it's there. The temperature sensors also have a unique charging base that acts as both a charger and a Bluetooth relay, which increases the strength of the signal. This is a picture of the actual um, ward. So on the left there, you see Casillas router being installed into the ceiling panels. So there's about uh, a router for maybe every 68 patients in this case. Now the router itself can support many more sensors and patients, um, but depending on the site and the physical layout of the uh, location, you have to adjust you know, based on the, uh, the area. On the right there, you see an actual patient who's wearing a temperature sensor. And next to his bed is the charger that acts as a relay booster. This way you can get the signal from the patch to the Casilla routers in a much more reliable way. And these are pictures of the uh, nurses' uh, stations. One is a basically a stationary location. And you can see the monitoring application there. And the other one is a mobile cart. So this is the dashboard that the clinicians and the nurses see. Um, so the picture with all the circles represents uh, each patient. And it shows their current body temperature. The color changes depending on the temperature itself. Um, and it also identifies you know, the patient location, the room, the bed number. And also you can set alerts uh, for the temperatures. Uh, each circle has more information. So for example, if you drill down into the circle and double click on it, you can see a trending of the patient's temperature. And that's the chart on the lower right corner shows. Key benefits of this solution is uh, number one is to reduce the risk of cross-infection. So with a quarantine, uh, quarantine ward, you're limiting the cross-infection between patients. But often the nurses and clinicians still have to interact with the patients, you know, or visit them every once in a while and come in close, close proximity. And so by having an automated wearable sensor, you reduce the risk of cross-infection between staff and patients. In addition, because this is an automated device, it increases the efficiency of patient care. So instead of one nurse 
being able to monitor to say two or three patients at a time, they can do many more uh, with the sensors. And overall, this reduces the costs associated with uh, labor and staffing. So ongoing and future deployments, um, to date, Cassia and uh, VivaLink have um, been in, uh, deployed in 11 hospitals in China. Uh, we have a, um, uh, a, a, what will be a very short POC happening in Southern California that, that started actually yesterday uh, in Southern California and um, assuming that goes well. We expect deployment in the next couple of weeks, and then we have several others that are considering it, uh, not only here in the U.S., uh, but in Europe as well as Latin America. So uh, we're, we're going to see more and more of these deployments with uh, with VivaLink. Um, and uh, you know, as it just says here, it's not just um, uh, the the temperature sensor. We'll be using the ECG sensor uh, in hospitals, clinical centers, um, senior care facilities anywhere that this is going to be uh, an issue, uh, you know, both short-term and long-term. Well, thank you, Howard, and thank you, Sam, for giving an overview of the integration. Uh, for more information about Cassia's Bluetooth IoT products and solutions, we encourage you to visit CassiaNetworks.com. And uh, for information about VivaLink's products and solutions, we encourage you to visit vivalink.com. And of course, for all up-to-date uh, information and resources related to COVID-19, uh, please visit the CDC as well as the WHO. So now we're gonna take some time for some Q&A from our audience. And again, uh, you will see in the panel that um, you can type in any questions that you may have uh, for Howard and Sam regarding uh, this webinar or any general questions that you may have um, about VivaLink and Cassia Networks. So for starters, um, we actually get uh, quite a few questions um, regarding uh, VivaLink and Cassia. So uh, I'm going to kick off the Q&A with some of the questions that we receive via email. So uh, is there an alert um, to let users know when the battery is low? Uh, yes, there's the alerts for uh, high temperature low temperature and also battery power. Oh, okay, great. Hey, and, Sam, uh, sorry, sorry. Sam, let, let me ask a little follow-up if, if, it's, if it's not going to be. What, what is the battery life? Um, and then how often are you seeing, uh, you know, in there's the battery life that's projected and then what are the hospitals actually seeing? All right, so the minimum specs for the uh, temperature uh, sensor is seven day battery between charges. In the field, we're getting uh, many instances where it's going over 14 days, which is great because the quarantine period is typically 14 days. Right. Okay, great. And uh, just a follow-up, um, do the sensors provide fault detection if there is an accelerometer? Uh, well, the sensor does have, well, so 
This would be the ECG patch, which does have the accelerometer. And to detect falls, it would require the application um, to apply the analysis and algorithm on top of that. But yes, it can do that with an application. Okay, great. And um, uh, this would be a question uh, for Sam and, and Howard as well. Um, who has access to the data in the hospital and who owns this data? So the, the, the first thing is our, our sensors contain no PII information, no personal identification information on there. It's just raw data and the sensor ID, that's it. Any correlation of patients is actually done in the application. Now, in this case, because it's on-premise, the hospital actually has full control and ownership of the data. Okay, great. So we have a couple of questions here from our audience. Uh, Jose asked, are the VivaLink approved to be cleaned with a standard health cleaner? Um, yeah, so our typical cleaning protocol just involves using the use of isopropyl alcohol. So it's probably not unlike other non-invasive you know, medical devices. Okay, great. And uh, from uh, another question that we have here on the panel, how is the lost connection and reconnecting between sensors and gateway handled? I'll, I'll take that one. So <clears throat> uh, we, the, the Cassia router is looking for the RSSI value coming from the, 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 the VivaLink sensors. And as you saw in, in the, the case study and the deployment scenarios, <clears throat> The, the Cassia routers are placed in the, the ceilings and the hallways. Uh, and, and typically, you know, we, we can get as much as uh, 1,000 feet, 300 meters of range from device to router. Uh, those scenarios, you, you see it's much less. So uh, we have very few uh, lost connections. However, it does happen. There, are, there is some heavy... Um, uh, medical equipment that gets moved around um, within a, a given hospital ward and um, <clears throat> you know so there are those opportunities for uh, for a connection to be lost the gateway is constantly looking for signals coming from uh, the sensors and so if a connection is lost it simply goes back and and, and seeks it out again uh, and, and so that that um, the connection time or drop connection is typically uh, very small. It does happen. This is Bluetooth that we're dealing with. Uh, so it definitely does happen, but um, those lost connections are typically very short. And these sensors, although they are continuous, um, the need for the data to be streamed continually really is, is low. Uh, if you miss a temperature for, uh, let's say, 30 seconds, uh, you know, nobody's going to, to, to be overly concerned about that. I don't know, Sam, if you have anything else to add. <clears throat> yeah, uh, if I can add to that. So, you know, in context, if you, you look at the typical way body temperature is taken with patients, you know, it's maybe uh, at most three times, four times a day right, that you go around sampling the temperature, and it's done manually largely. Uh, in this case, with the uh, wearable sensor, it's a continuous stream as frequently as once every 16 seconds. Now, clearly, in most cases, you don't need that many data points, but that frequency helps to ensure that you capture a relevant temperature, you know, at least every, let's say, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, or one hour. Um, even at one hour, it's way more than what a clinician would do. On top of that, 
uh, with the VivoLink temperature sensor, one of the unique things about it is the way it interacts with the charger, and so it, which boosts the signal of the Bluetooth signal. And so that further ensures connectivity and reliability in the overall system. Great. And there's actually a follow-up question to that. Is there any chance of the signal being lost? Um, I mean, there's always a chance, right? But if you compare it to existing protocols, you can get much more data samples um, compared to manual methods. And, and so to, to expand on that, yes, there is a, there is a chance, as I'd mentioned, um, heavy equipment can get in the way. Um, uh, the, you know, the, the channel um, can get, you know, 2.4 gigs can, can get uh, overcrowded sometimes. But again, that's typically for very short periods of time. And as Sam had said, you know, when it's coming to temperature and respiratory and things like that, these are, you know, although the VivaLink sensor is, is pushing the data, you know, as much as every 16 seconds, typically in a hospital, it's, you know, every couple hours. So uh, a lost signal <clears throat> is fine. Sam, you may want to also um, let, uh, let the folks know if the, the sensors, um, you know, if there is a lost sensor, can they retain that data and then send it once a connection is made? Uh, depends on the sensor. So the, so the temperature sensor is just a straight um, real-time live stream. The ECG sensor, however, does have a 24-hour cache to accommodate for intermittent uh, Bluetooth disconnections. And so it catch up and sync up with that. Now, on our roadmap, it's also add a cache to the temperature sensor. So that's something, something that's coming out in the future. And the Cassia routers have containers in them of which you can put an application which can do, you know, one of the things it can do is store and forwarding. So if there's some, if there's a, uh, a, lo a connection lost on the back end, meaning the, the connection to um, <clears throat> the hospital's network and to the, uh, to the application, uh, we can do a store and forwarding or we can purposely do that to allow for, um, uh, to, to transmit the, the data at a, a time when there's less network traffic. Now, now last thing I wanna add is, the application itself also has indicators that will tell a clinician that, hey, something is not right. That way somebody can go check the system. So that even if you have a signal loss for a long period of time, uh, it doesn't go unnoticed. Great. And we have another question. Um, do you have a launch schedule for the Japan market? Uh, are we talking, we're talking about this whole solution? So assuming we're talking about the entire solution. So this first uh, was deployed in China. We're now in at least 11 hospitals and growing in China. Um, we are in the process of porting this um, to English as well as making it available to other countries. So no specific date yet for Japan, but we are starting with pilots around the world. And so, so far we've gotten about uh, half a dozen inquiries in other countries around the world to start a pilot. Sam, let me ask a, a direct question then. Is the certification to be able to sell your product in Japan is called Telic. Um, is, is that on the roadmap to get that certification? Because I know you you are getting some other certifications. You're going through the process as we right. speak. Um, so that's so we are talking to a couple of partners around that. So the product is FDA and NCE uh, cleared, 
but there are local uh, country-specific regulations that needs, needs to get passed. Uh, so yes, on a roadmap, and we are talking to a couple of partners about that potential. Okay, and the, the Cassia routers are already um, Telex certified, so, uh, and we have multiple customers uh, in the Japan market. Yeah. Now what's, what's different about COVID-19, and this is countries by country, is that in certain situations, uh, they're allowing certain limited deployments or pilots to start uh, even ahead of that. that. That's a good point, Sam. And one that both of us happen to be working on um, is in Mexico. And the, the Mexican government has waived the certifications, uh, the, the necessary certifications uh, for the short term uh, if this is COVID related and can be implemented uh, shortly. The longer term play, we would have to get certified. Uh, the Cassia routers, for example, um, our X1000 is certified in Mexico, but our E1000 is not. However, that won't stop um, uh, this particular uh, deployment that they're looking at um, uh, for some field hospitals in Mexico. I actually have a question. Um, how do you handle um, the field and temporary hospitals given the current pandemic uh, with COVID-19? Uh, so it depends on the, the infrastructure that's in place and the uh, local uh, technical staff, and, and it's, it's case by case. And so the, the solution that you saw today was de deployed on an on-premises server, which means everything's contained on site using traditional um, either Wi-Fi or LAN equipment. Um, there's an alternative solution that can go wireless completely wireless without land. And so it just depends. And um, you know, we're actually doing one uh, with Cassia uh, in, in Southern California, which is essentially a, a sort of a temporary pop-up hospital. Great. And I guess maybe Howard and Sam, can you answer um, uh, for the attendees and, and all interested, is there a lot of training that is required and how long does it take to install? Yeah, so the installation, which is typically done by some kind of IT staff or uh, one of our integrated partners, um, that takes about, let's say a day, assuming you know, the, the base infrastructure is in place. The actual application training is actually pretty straightforward. It's a very simple application and training is typically less than an hour. Okay. Great, thank you. We have another question here uh, from one of our attendees. Is VivaLink offering this platform to be used for other industries with their branding with different sensors? And if that's the case, uh, they would be interested in using Cassia with, with the VivaLink platform with their name and branding on the dashboard. Uh, yes, actually that would be, so the combination of VivaLink sensors and Cassia network uh, makes for a great application platform from any, virtually any third-party application to be integrated with the sensors. Um, and it's ideal for, you know, whether it's in hospital, in clinic, or some kind of a you know, situation where you need the, the simplicity of a router or the uh, coverage of a router um, for deployment. Okay, great. Well, thank you for that. 
And uh, just the last question for uh, Howard. Can you tell the users how the gateways are powered? Uh, the gateways are powered in three different ways. You can have, the, so the E1000, which is what we've really been uh, showcasing here, um, has a, a, a micro USB that can just be plugged into a wall outlet. We, we utilize it, it's very low powered. Um, so just a, a wall outlet. You can use um, uh, power over ethernet, so PoE. Um, uh, and, or you can use, uh, so those are, those are the, the two options that you have to, to power the E1000. PoE or uh, just a micro USB into a, a standard wall outlet. Okay, great. Well, that wraps up our live Q&A. So thank you again, Howard and Sam, for taking the time to answer all these questions. And that wraps up our webinar for today. So thank you everyone for attending. And again, if you have any questions for Howard and Sam, uh, feel free to reach out to Howard at CassiaNetworks.us and Sam at Sam at VivaLink.com. So once again, thank you, Sam. Thank you, Howard. And thanks everyone for attending today's webinar. Have a great day. Thank you all. Bye now.